0: Welcome to another edition of Mortgage Marketing Radio. Jeff Zimfer, your host. And today, I, you know, I keep saying I am so excited about the guests that we have on each of these podcasts. And I keep getting more and more excited every week because they just keep getting better. So uh, we keep raising that bar. Uh, today, my special guest is Shashank Shakar. And uh, if you haven't heard of him, you need to because he has done some amazing things in his business. And a quick summary about Shashank is, I mean, it's a long one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of make it short here because he'll tell us his story. But Shashank has been in the business for, gosh, I don't know, 10 pl- 14 years now, and he has done some amazing things. Not, not only is he a uh, author of First Time Home Buying 101 and Real Estate Unleashed, which you can find on Amazon, this guy is a media magnet, a superstar. He's been featured on Yahoo News, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. He's in- interviewed by uh, uh, Emmy Award-winning director Nick Nanton for his TV show, America's Premier Experts. You can find him on the Top 40 Under 40 Most Influential Mortgage Professionals. He is ranked by Scotsman's Guide in two fifteen on the top 200 originators list. He's on the hot 100 list for 2015 for Mortgage Professional America. And I just, I can't say enough about, you know, what he has done and accomplished in his career. So let's just bring him on. Shashank, you there. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jeff. And um, thank you for that introduction. That was uh, indeed a long one.
0: Yeah. Well, you've got a long bio and you, you've done a lot of stuff. Uh so let's let's get right into it. Uh, you know, uh, you and I as uh, you know, we have a mutual friend in Tim Davis and uh, you know, Tim talks a lot about personal branding mastery and stuff, but if if you wouldn't mind, I think you know what we want to try and uh, share, you and I agreed to this before we hit record record is for those, you know, there's originators at various levels that you know listen to this podcast. Right? There's the folks that are kind of new, maybe a couple 3 years in the business and then there're maybe 10 years and there might be a few folks that are 20 years plus. But I think right? As you know, what I'm all about is truth in marketing. Um, I think what we can convey to people today is how to start from where you are um, and utilize different forms of media uh, and different mediums to do that, which we'll talk about, but utilize different forms of media to grow your business, to establish your platform, to position yourself as a subject matter expert. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe just take a minute or two And kind of outline, you know, where you started and how you got, you know, to where you are today on the top 200 list, 40 under 40, all that stuff.
1: Sure, Uh, I actually started in the U.S. mortgage business in 2008. So I know that in the intro you mentioned that um, I've been in the industry 14 plus years. I've, I've been on the lending business, or I would say in the lending industry, for that long. But I was working for. Uh, GE, General Electric, uh, in India, actually, in their lending division. And then I moved to the US uh, in 2007. And the company I moved for, uh, they closed their shop in 2008. And um, they were doing some mortgage stuff. I was the head of business for them. But um, I was just a year old in the country, and I didn't know a soul. In fact, I, I, I... I actually knew only three people in the entire country in 2008. (laughs) Wow. And and those three people were my uh, ex-co-workers from this company that that I was working for. Um, They closed their shop in 2008. It was a VC-funded company. We just couldn't meet uh, the revenue goals that uh, we were expected to because of the downturn in the industry. And because I didn't know anything else, I thought, oh, let's get into the mortgage business, even though it was 2008. Um, And... um, what I quickly realized is that knowing about the business, uh, because I, I knew all the guidelines, because I was managing a large team, et cetera, et cetera, and running a business is two completely different things. Uh, and the biggest difference I found out was the fact that uh, you need to know where you would get your clients from. <laughs> and, and that's something that, that hit me pretty quickly, because one, it was the year 2008, very <laughs> few people were doing mortgages, so to say. Two, I had no circle of influence to go to, and by no I mean no, like not even a soul. And I did not know how to acquire clients. Um, so the first twelve to twenty-four months was quite a struggle. Uh, I remember in the first and uh, first, uh, I think twelve to fourteen months, I did seven loans. I was doing averaging probably a loan every two months, hmm. um, and. Um, uh, and, and yeah, about a, about 12 to 14 months around that time, I realized that I need to either dramatically change something with what I'm doing, or I need to quit and go back to corporate America and find a regular job. Um, but from there, where uh, from knowing three people and doing seven loans in, in 12 months to closing $116 million last year in production, uh, it's been quite a ride. So that's, in short, is the story or... You call it rags to riches or whatever you will, know, but but that's the true authentic story that we were talking about right. before you hit the record button. Yes, thank you for that, and congratulations
0: on a great year last year—116 million. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that happened in between what you just just, just described, right? Uh, and so how then you you had this realization that okay I need to figure out how to get clients you started to do that sporadically but when did it really click for you like you know the light that went on or something that happened where you 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 found a way obviously to um, accelerate the process for acquiring clients um, how did you begin to do that and maybe what you know what remains today of of you know what, what put you on that road
1: so my biggest realization came from and it's not always it's, it's not always that that light that goes on and happens like mm. overnight or something but I was uh, because of the lack of circle of influence that I had I started trying to go to realtor networking events and because I knew that these guys have clients ready and if they like me they will refer me clients uh, but again uh, one of the other realization that came pretty quickly was the fact that one they had a lot of choices, people who have been in the industry much longer than I have been. Um, and two, um, it almost felt like like begging in the sense that I really have no credibility or expertise or experience and I'm trying to go to them and say, hey, can you reform me business? Um, I had really no value add to make to their business or the reason to ask for business. Um, and after doing that for, for a few times, um, uh, there were uh, a couple of things. One, I, I knew that this is not going to work. Um, two, I realized that I'm not good at it. I'm not, not really a good networker where I can talk smooth and talk to these guys and get them to uh, refer me business. And I have, a, I have an MBA with a major in marketing. And that's when I kind of went back to the basics of what marketing 101 is, which is you need to differentiate your product if you want to excel in the business you're in. And I was uh, reading Jeffrey Gitmer at that time. I think I think it's his book, Sales Bible, The Sales Bible, which says that if you want to be considered as an expert, um, you need to either speak or write or preferably do both. Mm. And that's what I wanted to do. I, I decided then that I need to create a brand or an expert, expert status where I do not have to go to people. I do not have to go to realtors. I do not have to go to potential clients, but they come to me. And I knew that's the only way I'm going to build a business which will be long lasting, which will fit to the personality type, which is I am. Um, And that's when I started working on it. Uh, It started slowly, so I'll probably give you a couple of things that I started on. Um, One of the things um, that I started in 2009 Uh, was to uh, write my own blogs, LendingExpertBlog.com, which is uh, a website that I created and and I started writing my own blogs. And back then, Joff, I I don't have the exact count, but I think probably there were less than 10 originators in the country, active originators who were blogging Mm -hmm. uh, back then. And... um, uh, and English is my third language, uh, so it's it's not exactly my expertise. But, uh, but I started writing something which is most people know about it. Those those blogs were nothing out of ordinary, but it was still something I was putting on uh, a web platform. Because I realized in 2009 that uh, the social media, blogging, videos, these are going to be next generation marketing tools. And not too many people were doing it back then. Right. Uh, it took me six months of writing a blog post every single week before I got the first call from someone who said, hey, I, wrote, I, I found your blog post online and I'm calling in response to that. Uh, most people uh, in the industry or, or in any industry will probably quit doing something if they're doing it every single week for six months and they see no results. And, but I but got the first call from that, um, and, and slowly people started finding it. As they started getting ranked on Google, people were finding for stuff and then found me. Uh, and then down the road, in fact, some of my initial media exposure came from my blogs because uh, I, I remember someone was doing a news for Yahoo News, and uh, they said, that, hey, we found your blog post online. Would you be open for an interview? And then he referred me to another Yahoo News editor and, and so on and so forth. Uh, so uh, that opened up a lot of opportunity, and around the same time, I started writing my first book as well—the first time home buying one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly, it's it's very very slowly and gradually. Of course, it was nothing overnight, <laughs> but within twelve to twenty four months, now people started calling me, uh, and I could. There were realtors who were willing to refer me loans because they knew that that I was uh, I was an author, I've, I've published a book, um, and that was one side of it. Because I remember I told you Jeffrey Gitmer said that. You need to uh, speak uh, or write. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, now how do I get get into speaking? Because nobody knows me in the industry, especially on the real estate side. So nobody will come to listen to me even if I put up a show. Um, so I reached out to a speaker who's very well known in the San Francisco Bay Area where I am. And I, I asked her, would you be willing to speak if I paid you? And she said, yeah, of course, as in if, if you want me, as in if you're paying me, I'll speak anywhere you want me to. Um, <laughs> But I told her the only condition is that I need to share the stage with you. Meaning, I'll be talking either before or after you. And again, she was fine because she's like, "I don't really care who speaks before or after me, as long as you pay me to speak." And my strategy behind all this was that I wanted people to listen to me. I was, I kind, I wanted to kind of force people to listen to me mm-hmm. because they wouldn't have come to uh, come to listen to me, but they definitely wanted to listen to this other famous speaker. Right. Um, and my hope was that once they listened to me two or three times, they they kind of realized that uh, I understand, I I know what I'm talking about, and it will be a good idea to work with me. And thankfully, that's what happened. As I was able, able to get anything between forty to seventy real estate agents for this three uh, series of speaking assignment that I had this speaker for. Uh, but I was speaking after or before her, and then and then these realtors realized, Oh, Shashank knows his stuff. What he's talking about. Um, and, and I was able to set up a lot of follow-up meetings after that with the realtors where, again, I wasn't really asking for business because they had kind of seen that, well, this guy, this guy talks at a platform, he has a published book already. So this wasn't really begging for business. This was more, uh, a meeting of equals. In fact, in a sense, it was meeting of unequals because they saw me at a higher pedestal than mm. they saw themselves. So this is what really kick started. The speaking and writing, getting into that. So for first two years, this is what I, I worked on the most, probably every single week and and, and got it kick started.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um so do you mind if I ask who that speaker was that you brought in?
1: Uh, Carol Rodoni, she was the past president of Land Panel Realtors, which is uh, which at that time probably was the largest real estate company in Bay Area and also A commercial real estate and she in fact went on to this is another fascinating story she went on to co-author that book real estate unleashed with me so Uh. so that's uh, that was very very interesting because even she was very impressed after speaking with me for those events and she reached out later saying that I have never written a book in my life and I see that you have written one and I would like to partner up with you um, to write a book on real estate which I think we published in 2010 or 11 and it was hugely successful among real estate agents because she speaks at so many platforms. We were not just able to sell a lot of copies, but more importantly, uh, it got my brand recognition really, really prominent among all those agents.
0: Yeah, so there's there's so much good stuff in there. I mean, one is the obvious fact that you decided to align yourself with a already well-known, respected name in the local real estate community, uh, you know, in uh, that that real estate broker owner. So that's great, right? Attachment of your brand to that. Um, secondly, is you're talking about positioning. You, you've totally repositioned, as you said, right? Your brand, who you are. You had no um, authority, no um, affiliation with agents in your local area. So you had to quickly get there. And a great point by the Gittimer thing, right? It's like you got to speak or write or both, and that jump starts your success how did you then with the book and and ongoing? Let's take it from there. So you brought in you know this this realtor president um, and she did a three three series uh, event with you. Um, two quick questions on that. one, what were the topics on? and then two, how have you carried on this speaking thing since then?
1: So um, Carol mostly talks about, What's going on in the real estate industry now, and what are her predictions? That seems to be a general um, speaking topics that she would speak on. And she has a huge database um, of uh, real estate agents. So she reached out to them. Uh, In fact, she just sends out her emails and newsletters saying that I'm speaking at a platform, and then they attended. And I knew a few people, so I I was um, able to reach out. In fact, I sponsored some. Uh, real estate marketing events. So we have uh, breakfast meetings of different real estate boards, and I sponsored some not uh, not to pitch my product, but to uh, pitch uh, that event I was holding, mm-hmm. and uh, so. I paid a little bit for that as well and and got them to attend it. So that's how I was able to get uh, people in the room, uh, that 40 to 70 agents that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And my topics um, at that time uh, was mostly around different financing. In fact, in 2008-2009, FHA loans were unheard of in the San Francisco Bay Area. The reason was that their uh, loan limit size before two thousand and eight was about two hundred and seventy one thousand dollars. And in the Bay Area, as probably some listeners would know, the average the, the median price around that time was seven hundred thousand dollars. So FHA was completely irrelevant to the lenders here. Uh, but during the crisis, the FHA loan amount was raised to seven hundred and twenty nine thousand. and I quickly realized that this is going to be a huge, Uh, loan option, a a big loan option for any first-time home buyers. And I read up a lot on FHA. In fact, I remember I drove uh, six hours to Orange County, which is in Southern California, because there was somebody presenting, doing a four-hour course on FHA, and I wanted to learn all about it. So I drove six hours uh, both ways, so 12 hours really, in in a day's time to just attend that event and learn all, all about FHA. And I was talking about FHA loans at these events, and these realtors have Uh, pretty much none of them heard about FHA in a big way because no one was doing it. And I was telling them how good it could be for first-time buyers with a low down payment and everything it had. In fact, um, and because of that, I got invited to speak at real estate boards and other real estate marketing events talking about FHA because they thought I'm an expert on that topic. I I had people from Bank of America and Wells Fargo and other big banks attending these events because they didn't know anything about FHA financing at that time, <laughs> and, and I knew all of, uh, all about that. So tying and this tied with my first time homebuyer expertise because I wrote a book on first time home buying one hundred one. Now I was pitching for FHA loans, and this kind of had that. that uh, if you if you'll see that this shows that, and I started pitching myself as a first time homebuyer expert. Uh, because I, I told them, hey look, I wrote a book on this topic and two, I'm, I'm talking about loan options that work for them. And most of the realtors, even though they were not willing to send probably all their transactions to me, they still they were they still uh, started talking about the fact hey Shashank is a first-time homebuyer expert. If you have any client who is a first-time home buyer, you should be sending to Shashank. And that started happening quite often. Uh, so you can see that it was kind of thought through that you don't just do random stuff saying that, okay, today I'll start blogging, tomorrow I'll start writing a book, third day I'll start speaking. It was kind of thought through that my branding strategy in the first two, three years was solely to establish me as a first-time home buyer expert because that's a niche I was I was focusing on. I did not want to sound like, hey, I do everything, send me anything that you have. Mm. Uh, and, and And so it's not just the fact that As in, I picked my media and I picked the fact that I'm I'm speaking, but I made sure that I am presenting one image to any real estate agent uh, or or only online reader who's looking at it and thinking that, wow, this guy knows everything about first time home buyers. Mm -hmm.
0: Is that still your specialty today?
1: Uh, happens to be is uh, on purchase transactions. Probably eighty percent of my clients are still first-time home buyers, and and that's I've, I've carried on that uh, branding or that image uh, all this six seven years. Yeah, that's great. Um, so,
0: is, have you parted ways then with um, uh, Carol in terms of her now guest speaking at your events? Are you the primary speaker, and you're still speaking? Correct.
1: I am speaking. I. I um, I don't uh, need to have the affiliation with Carol anymore, which right. is which in itself is a good thing. Um, and since then, uh, I've been in, uh, We have four big real estate boards around where I am. Uh, Santa Clara County Real Estate is the largest real estate board in the country, hmm. uh, and I think they have five to six thousand uh, realtors as part of uh, part of its membership. And now it's more a question of when I want to speak. And, mm-hmm. and if I do want to speak, I reach out to any of the education directors at those any of those boards, and they'll be more than glad to have me come uh, at one of their events or, or schedule an event just for me to speak. And uh, there are realtors who know about me, so they don't have usually have a problem uh, filling up the room. Also, because my topics have, have always been uh, relevant Um and something which most people don't talk about like i started talking about youtube marketing mm-hmm. in 2011 12 when nobody was talking about it uh, i started talking about facebook marketing in the very first couple of years when it started becoming becoming popular so i try to pick uh, topics last year i was talking about trade when it was it was getting launched and not too many people knew how trade will pan out and what will happen and i was telling most realtors that it's not the end of the world like most people are trying to make it uh, make it sound um so these are so i pick my topics wisely and so that it's something which attracts people to come and uh come and listen to uh and um yeah it has been very very popular i still i don't do my own events anymore um i did probably the last one i did was a couple of years back but i still regularly speak at real estate boards
0: so when you say you don't do your own events um that's because you don't need to. I'm am assuming because you've built up such a following, and you know probably aren't uh, on the hunt for realtors anymore. They are sending you business on a regular basis because you've put all this work in.
1: That is correct. As and if you if you would talk to uh, a lot of loan officers, uh, most of them do not like doing business with realtors. Right. Uh, it's it's because of a couple of things. One, uh, uh, probably only one thing, which is that realtors think that they are higher in the food chain than loan officers mm-hmm. and that they control the clients. And so they dictate how the communication goes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I really, really like working with real estate agents, uh, because I control the transaction and they don't, uh, because they know that they are working with someone, uh, who is definitely, uh, I'm trying to think much bigger brand. Yes. Um, they are probably in awe of me as I'm not <laughs> trying to uh, trying to brag here or something, but right. all these years of building that brand has really, really paid off. Um, and it, I set the tone in the very first meeting that we have. And the fact that they already know that that I'm an author, I'm on media, uh, I'm one of the top loan officers in the country definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the very early days, we, we talked about that story when I was only doing probably a loan a month or something like that. Even then, when I approached them, uh, I already had spoken in front of them and they already knew that I had that published a book. Uh, so it's, it was always intentional from day one that that's how I will work with real estate agents. And that really, really helps um, because they they know that they're they are working with somebody who knows what he's doing. Also, um, it's very important. I know this is a, this is a marketing podcast and we're talking about different marketing ideas, but it's very, very important to know that, that marketing just gets you people in the door. Mm-hmm. What happens after that is equally important, if not more. Right. Um, and so we have made, uh, we, we probably make changes every week or every month into our processes and systems to make sure that once the client calls us or emails us or, or comes to see us, then from then, whatever happens to the rest of their lives in terms of transaction or, or interaction with us. Uh, it's something that they are wowed by. I wouldn't say that this is the best in the industry, but we try to do stuff which uh, which makes them uh, feel amazing at the end of it. And that's why you will see that. uh, Of course, you will see me all over the media, but you'll also see that any review platform that you see, whether it's Facebook or Zillow or Yelp or Google, it's pretty much an all five-star review that we have on all these platforms. And, and we are very, very conscious of that. Uh, if anything goes wrong with any clients, as in even now after doing 116 million, uh, I still um, feel very concerned if something does doesn't go go right. Mm. And understand that we are brokers, which means that we don't control half of the transaction. It's it's a lender we are sending the loan to. They can sometimes delay something. They can mess up things. So we don't even control a lot of uh, what we are delivering to our client. We still make sure that they have that. Uh, Five star experience at the end of the day. So it's it's very very important lesson for anyone listening to this is that um, while marketing is a great idea and I'm I'm a huge huge fan of of marketing uh, to get those clients into the door. Make sure that your processes and systems and your team supports that that customer service and customer delight philosophy and theory that you might have. Because if you don't do that, then you're probably wasting your time at the top of the funnel if you're not able to address. Uh, those clients, once they come into your door or, or give you a call. Yeah, that, that's a great point. You know, I heard it once
0: characterized as the external perception has to match the internal reality. So if you are, you know, pitching yourself as right the um, place for the smooth transaction, no delays, you know, all that stuff that you just described, then you better make sure you've got it set up internally um, to make that happen. So you do have that great end-to-end user experience. Um, so it's interesting you bring up a point that you know, being a broker, you don't control the entire transaction, obviously. Um, how do? Uh, there's two questions in here. One is, what. Being being a broker, still, um, are you impacted by delays? And if so, how do you adjust to those? Right when you're trying to meet that time to close deadline.
1: So I pick my investors wisely. Uh, that's something which is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when you're a broker, um, that even if you're approved with several lenders, you need to know which investors will honor the commitment that you have to your borrowers. And if you work with a select few investors, they will be willing to make exceptions for you. Um, a lot of people just look at the best price lender and send the loans to them. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that, even though as in price competitiveness, it's something that we focus a lot on. But we still try to have, say, 70 80% of our loans sent to top four or five investors or lenders. Mm. Um, and, we are, and we are sending... Uh, to lenders who have good turn times, who have good pricing, and who I have a personal relationship with so that I can ask for exceptions when it comes to. um, Also understand that the the reason to stay broker and not to work, um, say, as a branch or um, work uh, with a bank uh, was, again, intentional on my part because I wanted to control the entire branding experience. Uh, If you work for someone else, then um, I wouldn't say it. it's it's true for every company. I'm sure there are lots of companies which are very, very flexible. But then there are certain companies that would only let you do a certain thing. They may not allow you to blog on your own. They may have uh, social media uh, strict restrictions that you might have and i would have struggled with that because i was trying to do something which was completely independent of um, any other player that could have influenced me right. so that was the reason to stay on the broker channel it's of course it's not easy all the time there are challenges with it especially the fact that you don't control a lot of uh, a lot of things during the transaction but if you keep to your core investors and uh, you work with them like for example uh, with Quicken Loans, I get a top producer award every year because I uh, I do probably twenty five thirty million dollars with them, uh, if not more. Uh, it's it's because that I I trust their processes, I trust their systems, and I have people in place who would uh, who would make an exception if I have to to close on time. Right, uh, and that's what we do, and that's what in fact uh, most people should do is that if they are on the broker channel, they should make sure that they are sending eighty percent of their business to top three four investors.
0: Great point. So you mentioned you're not doing the speaking yourself anymore. Obviously, you've built up a brand and a you know a database and the following, and um, you've got the blog. What uh, what are you doing personally still? Uh, you know that it's directly tied to origination in your business.
1: So most of the business still comes because of me. Uh, because if you if you see the branding and I still write a blog, um, probably not once every week now. But still pretty uh, pretty frequently. There are, there are months where I'll still write four to six blog posts and there are months where I may still write only one. But I have not taken my eye off that. Um, I have um, a radio show in a local uh, radio station for the last three, four years now um, on a weekly show that does very, very well. That's uh, that's my own show. That's something I, I run on my own. Mm. I still do speaking when when I'm requested to um, at different events. Again, I'm not pushing for it personally, but uh, but I'm still doing it. Um, and we are working on a lot of things right now. We are working on a weekly video show, uh, something like Gary Vaynerchuk. If you have seen, he has a Gary V show that he does on a weekly basis. Uh, but we are trying to do that starting next month, which will basically be taking questions on on Twitter and Facebook. And from from people who are thinking of buying or refinancing, and um, and doing a weekly show of it, trying to answer those questions, and then have uh, all those archived in a place where it's easy for people people to access. We're thinking of doing that. Um, I'm still working on my next book, which should be out later this year, if not early next year. So the transfer marketing is tough. That's something which I never stop doing uh, because um, I have I've reached to a I've I've reached here by marketing myself and that's something i'm never going to stop uh, because my goals for every year keep going higher than what it was for the last year and if i stop doing that then i will probably stay where i am or maybe even even uh go down from where i am if i stop doing that
0: Hmm. um what what do you find of the social media platforms that are out there you mentioned twitter and that's a great idea by the way with the uh the weekly show to take those questions um Is there a particular social media platform that you find better for engaging and and, and does it differ if it's realtors versus consumers?
1: Uh, It does. I find LinkedIn very, very useful for for reaching out to real estate agents. So what I do on LinkedIn is that I don't just uh, share an update on my personal page. But I also share the same updates so if I'm writing a blog or uh, if I have any industry news, even if it's links to other, uh, other media or something, I'll take the same news or same blog and then I'll post it to about 15 different real estate groups that I'm part of. Uh, so these are groups. Um, so most real estate boards have their own LinkedIn groups. So for example, Santa Clara County has its own on LinkedIn group. Silicon Valley has its own uh, on LinkedIn group, and there are tons of these these groups that um, that are there. So I'll take the same thing and then I'll post it on uh, all these diff- different LinkedIn groups that I'm part of, and then I'll have comment, and then people will engage on that saying in favor, against, whatever. basically my goal is to, one, get the word out that, hey, I'm posting these things which are useful to you, and two, get them to engage on that post. And I have found a lot of real estate agents reaching out to me because of uh, that outreach that I've done on LinkedIn. Uh, Same with Facebook. Uh, I have um, probably about 600 real estate agents as my friends, maybe even more. And my goal is not always to, of course, to pitch business, but uh, it's something that, uh, makes me on top of their mind. There are tons of time when I when I find out that my, my buyer has made an offer on a property and I call the listing agent and the listing agent will be like, oh, I know you. I've seen you on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are friends. We have been friends for a long time. It's just the fact that they find me familiar, even if they have not done business with me. Right. And that and that helps a lot if you have 10, 10 people who have made an offer and there's this loan officer or, or a mortgage broker that you know from any place and you know that as in everything that he posts on Facebook, or most of the stuff that he he does there is useful. Uh, And same thing on Facebook. There are other other real estate groups that I'm part of, so if there is anything useful, I'll post it on their platform as well. Never selling myself. I I would never put something which says, oh, our rates are the best, give us a call, or something like that. That's something I have never done in my life on any platform. Um, Because again, I'm trying to establish expertise, I'm trying to establish value add to their business, and, and the same thing with my clients. Most of my clients are my personal Facebook friends. So when they see any award that I've received, any new blog post that I put, even my children pictures, say to say, mm-hmm. it's just increase uh, the likeness, likeness factor for, uh, for them because they might have a kid who is doing something similar and they see, oh, Bosh shank's kids does something similar. So all this is to make sure that you stay on top of their mind, uh, make sure you're adding value in one form or the other. And then it increases the, as I say, the likeness factor or familiarity, which when you, even if you end up doing business with them two years down the road, they'll probably remember who you are.
0: Yes, great points. As a matter of fact, speaking of Facebook, uh, I'm on your Facebook page right now, and I can see already we have something in common. looks like uh, your daughter has entered uh, an American Open Taekwondo championship. That is correct. And my son is going for his black belt this Saturday. See. <laughs> so, uh, how many years has your daughter been uh, in Taekwondo?
1: Four years. So, so see you see right there, Joff. If you were a listing agent on that transaction where my buyer was making an offer, and I would call you this, yeah, I I know you, Shashanka. Wasn't your daughter participating in that tournament? My son was there too, or, <laughs> or my son is doing something similar. And we talk about that for for five minutes. So, so we talk in sales about all the time is that. Try to find something which is common with the other person, and and that's what happens when you have Facebook profile where you have say six hundred to a thousand real estate agents as your friend, and that's that's intentional. By the way, it's it's not something. Again, most of the things that that I try to do had some purpose behind it. It's, it's most of the time it's not random, even though it it might seem random, um, because those are the real estate agents in the local community. Chances are that. And that's why what, that's what it happens is that a lot of times, even in this super competitive market where on every house there is anything between 10 to 90 offers, a lot of the time my clients win the offer with lesser down payments than other people is because the listing agent knows me from somewhere. Either he attended one of the seminars that I talked to or he saw me on Facebook, or I know another real estate agent from his office that I can refer to and I can, I can call and tell him, hey, you work for Panel, that's great. Um, I don't know you know it, but Carol Rodoni was the past president of that company, actually wrote a book um, with me and I can send you a copy whether we get to work together or not. So any of that, even if it's a reference to another agent or another manager in his or her office, all of this is done to make sure that our clients stand a better chance of getting that offer accepted. Uh, even sometimes when their offer is not the most favorable one for the sellers. So you're, you're you're
0: telling me that an agent, you've got the level of relationship with some agents where they're going to uh, fight uh, to get the deal, even at less down, and they're going to be able to win that deal because they can convey the certainty of the loan transaction because of you?
1: And that's what happens, right? As most of the time, we know the number one reason a transaction falls through after getting into contract is because the loan doesn't get through. Right. That's that's a fact. Um, so the sellers and the listing agent, as in all of course, other than the fact that they want the highest dollar for their house, their biggest concern is that will this go through if we accept the offer, or will we have to bring this house back on the market? So if you have if you know that you're working with a loan officer that you know best, has as an i you know him personally by for some form or the other um, and you're able to make sure that the fact that this person is going to take this transaction through they will probably take $5000 lower in the offer price and be 100% sure that this will go through than take that $5000 higher and only have 70% confidence that it will go through mm-hmm. wow that's that says a lot. I mean, what's that value of that
0: worth, you know, for you establishing that positioning? Um, it really makes me think of that question. What do you say to loan officers who complain about agents not being loyal?
1: Uh, it's It's the same thing, right? As an agent won't it's it's in any relationship, whether it's personal or professional. If you're not adding value to the relationship, then they will go somewhere else. Uh it, it happens with our, our kids, it happens with our spouses, it happens at, at a professional level, which is, I wouldn't say they will go somewhere else, but the relationship does not remain as strong as it would. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I rarely have uh, at least my co-realtors work somewhere else unless I say no on a transaction because of whatever lack of uh, lack of investors or for any reason. Uh, they keep coming back because they know that if this deal goes to Shashank, he will make sure that this closes and this closes on time and the the other thing about about that that listing agent or being in a competitive market because I know a lot of uh, a lot of people in the industry right now are going through the same thing where it's it's a seller's market in a lot of markets and you're trying to compete. One thing that I tell the listing agent all the time, which is, look, if you have my pre-approval in your hand, I'll give you one fact. In my seven years of being in the industry, it has never happened once that a client that I pre-approved got declined in underwriting. Hmm. Never happened once, which is a truth because we do, we do our due diligence at the time of pre-approval just like an underwriter would do, almost going to that extent. Hmm. And that tells them that it's it's a 100% guaranteed chance that if I'm holding Shashank's pre-approval in my hand, that this will go through. So, you need to have confidence in your abilities. If you do not, then you first need to go and, and read the guidelines and make sure that that you gain that confidence in yourself. And then, but if you make claims like that and authentic claims, by the way, I'm not make I'm not trying to make a point here that you should falsely claim to something like this. All of this combines to give an effect impact to the to the listing agent uh, and then to the sellers that this guy knows his stuff and he will make sure this transaction goes through.
0: Awesome, I love that. I was just thinking about your comment earlier about everything you 've done you 've done with a purpose in mind, you know back from the early days of you recognizing that you had no relationships, how were you going to be able to establish and position yourself um, uh, to to appear different than every other loan officer in your in your local market? and you've obviously done that very well very successfully and as we wrap it up here you know it's it's funny whenever i have a conversation with someone like someone like yourself and you know the people who who understand that premise of you know stop winging it shooting from the hip and stop just throwing stuff against the wall pull back right analyze design do stuff with purpose understand that you know if you do the kind of things you're talking about which is positioning and positioning effectively and properly through the most powerful mediums speaking writing and now obviously online um there's a lot of you know loan officers who, who who know that right, but but what do you see as the wall that keeps them from? Why do loan officers? I mean, we've all been around this space for years. Why do we still have the people you know that are out there doing the same old, same old? Right? Guy can close in seven days and rate sheets and the. Why do you? What do you think prevents people from crossing over to doing the stuff you've done?
1: Lack of ambition. Really, lack of ambition.
0: They just don't want it that bad.
1: Yep. I wanted it really, really bad. Mm. I knew that I did not want to get back uh, to corporate America. Even when, when I was doing MBA back in India, I, was, I always used to tell my friends, I'm doing it because I want to start my own company. And when I got that opportunity to do that in 2008, I did not want it to go to waste. Uh, and once I started even doing remotely well, for me, it was all about, oh, all these guys who get interviewed as being the top producer, and I want to be that guy who gets interviewed for the top producer. Uh, right now I'm in the probably in the top forty, top fifty in the in the country. My thing is why I can't be the number one loan officer in the country. It seems far fetched because the guy who who was number one last year did probably six hundred million, I did hundred and fifteen, and one sixth of one fifth of what he did. Mm. But all these things is, is not really to make more money, um, because if you achieve that, money will come on its own. But it's about why I can't be the best in the industry. Uh, even with all the limitations I started with. So I, I I always wanted it really bad. And most of the people you would interview, Jofu, was, were very, very successful, is that I, I see two common threads uh, among a lot of successful people. One, wanting it really bad. Uh, because if you don't have that need, then there's no reason for you to get out of your comfort zone. If you're fine with doing two, three loans a month, which you do now, and you feed your family okay, and you live a decent life, then there's no reason for you to, to think more. Mm. Um, and the two, the second common trait that I see is that always improving oneself, always improving oneself in everything that you do, as in from, from and that's why I said all parts of our funnel from the, from the time we get people to the door, which is how do we improve our marketing to how do we involve, uh, improve our, our systems? What do we do after we have closed a loan? Every single step of the loan process, I keep improving every month, every week, every year. Because I'm always looking at it and see what we can do better. Um, and and so the fact that most loan officers, even though the fact they know it, they don't do it, is because as in, they don't want it enough. As in, if they wanted it really, really bad, they would do it. It's, I, I read somewhere um, this analogy, and I'll uh, probably be wrapping up with this, yep. is that somebody said, okay, how many loans do you think, and this was for a different industry, but I'm customizing it uh, for our industry. So, how many loans do you think that you can do this year? And let's say that number is forty. And they say, uh, okay, but can you do one hundred? And they said, no way. There is no way on earth I can do one hundred this year. And they said, okay. What if somebody kidnapped your wife or your son or your daughter and said that the only way we will release him or her is that if you did hundred loans this year, Hmm. would you then do hundred loans this year? They said, of course, I would do 100 loans that year if the stakes are so high. So it's all about what do you think how high the stakes are. Um, and most people, the stakes are not high enough. Most people are happy with what they have. Most people are even willing to change the industry if something goes wrong, which which is what 65% of the industry did in 2008. And I can guarantee you they will do it again if there was a repeat of 2008. Mm. Uh, for me, that was never an option. That will never be an option. And that's why I keep grinding every day that i
0: do so that that leaves us kind of with one last question then is what's your why um
1: uh, so i i did a uh did a company video sometime back and and i talked about the fact that i wanted to do something in the industry which which really put customers first we talk about that a lot but we know that most major banks will probably not do. I'm not criticizing individual loan officers, but more at the organization level. Mm-hmm. And the fact that a lot of us in the industry uh, just do it because of us. For me, the fact was that if I can reach out to the people who want the most education, which is first time homebuyers, because people who are refinancing have already gone through it. People who are buying their second, third home have already gone through it and they kind of know what to do. But first time home buyers to me always struck as the class of people who knew nothing. Mm. They they weren't it's, it was a great thing that they wanted to do but they were never sure how to get started. They were anxious, they were uncertain. And I thought if I can put an educational platform for them which does not exist anywhere um then I would actually be helping them while helping myself and that's why you would see that all the youtube videos all the books all the blogs radio seminar webinar I've really social media, there's really nothing on and offline that I have not done to educate them. And that's my why, is that I, in fact, want to be, one day, nationally, the preferred brand for first-time homebuyers um, and help them in a way that I personally think that no, nobody else does it as, as, at
0: this time. Well, that's an awesome why, and I think it's showing up in what you've been doing, what you are doing, and I look forward to watching your growth as you continue to add more value. Um, it really shows up in who you are and who you communicate, I have to say. I'll put all the links to your, your blog, your book, everything in the show notes here. Um, the, in terms of a destination for people to find out more about you, where would you like to send them? Over to your blog?
1: Yeah, LendingExpertBlog.com.
0: Okay, great. Well, listen, I know you're extremely busy. You've got uh, more lives to change. I appreciate you uh, taking time to change a few lives today for those listening. And uh, I hope we can stay in touch, Ashank. That'll be awesome job. It was my pleasure. All right. And everybody for listening, thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of Mortgage Marketing Radio. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.